Good morning. The scripture reading this morning comes from John 3, 16 and 17, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, or on page 10 of your worship folder. John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're getting close, aren't we? Getting closer to Christmas. Getting close to that time that we all look forward to, that time of this busyness, this, um, what did somebody call it yesterday? C- crazy season? This silly season, that's what it is, yeah. To be over? <laughs> Where we're thinking, yeah, if I can just make it to that day. But in the midst of that, we also then get to hear songs that we like. And um, if you're visiting here, you might be thinking, some of those songs weren't very Christmassy. They, they were. They're Adventy. They're telling us we're going towards something. But you're thinking, I want it joy to the world and silent night and, and uh, jingle bells. I mean, maybe not in church. But one of, one of the songs that I remember most growing up, those Christmas songs was, was this one. Um, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Now here's the real creepy part. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been good or bad. So be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. How freaking scary. You have got to be kidding me. That there is some man somewhere that is watching me to determine whether I'm naughty or nice in order for me to receive some gift from him. Now, that song has been around for I don't know how long. I didn't do the research in it because, quite honestly, it freaks me out, and I don't really want to know that much more about it. But now, today, you have the ability on your smartphone to download an app 
that's called Where's Santa? So that it determines where your location is and where Santa's location is. So you can know whether or not Santa would be in close proximity to be able to watch you be naughty or nice. Last week we talked about sin and the fall. We talked about how brokenness came into the world, that there's this place that when God created the world, it was fiercely good. It was way better than what we could even imagine. It was exactly as it was supposed to be. And then brokenness and sin, rebellion, a a distrust in the goodness of God creeped into the hearts of Adam and Eve, and thus creeps into our hearts as well. And we see the world thrown into chaos and darkness, away from the perfection that had been created to be. And so we often sit in this place of knowing that in our own lives and in our own hearts, we're not always the way that we want to be. That there are places that we move, that we step into things that we know we ought not do. That there are postures within our hearts that we sometimes will recognize as, wow, that was really selfish and only about me. I mean, that is if we're lucky, actually. If we're allowed and allowing ourselves to hear conviction. Because there are those who walk through life thinking that they've done no wrong ever. Possible. Do you know why... Santa Claus is Coming to Town is such an effective song. It's a behavior modification song. It's saying that there's somebody paying attention to you in a way that wants to make sure that you do right. Why? So that you can get the thing you want the most. It recognizes the human tendency to go after the thing that we desire, and it gives us a way to do it saying that there's this person who will give you this thing as long as you follow the rules the way that they've been set out by society. I, I, I know that there are parents, and, and you know this now because they're smart enough to put it on TikTok, where they show them talking to their children when they're being disobedient, telling them, now remember, it's only 30 more days until Santa comes and he's getting closer and watching you. The whole point is to get them to change their behavior. Not to do anything in their heart. I just want you to be nice today and stop bothering me. Santa Claus is coming to Sadly, I believe that because of the brokenness of the world, because of the sin that has crept in, because in our own hearts we desire what we want so much, it gets turned on itself so deeply that we begin to question again and again the goodness of God and we begin to portray Him actually as Santa Claus. We have this vision of God watching out over us, but not in a way that is caring and kind and good, but in a way that is waiting for us to mess up, longing for us to, so that he could tick a box and say, you've not quite been good, that somehow God has a running tally that he's going back and forth on going, oh, naughty, nice, naughty, nice. 
And if our hearts are, are, are turned in that way, then we can begin to look at the brokenness of the world and we can do two things with it. The first thing we can do is begin to feel shame that says there's no way that I can move off the naughty nice onto the good, uh, the naughty list onto the nice list. We begin to feel shame and believe, I, I can't even show who I really am to the people around me. I can't talk about the struggles that I have because then they'll know I'm on the naughty side of things and not the nice side of things. And so we hide from God much like Adam and Eve did in this growing sense of shame, believing that the brokenness of the world is actually more fierce than the fierce goodness that the world was created in. Now, some of us don't respond that way. Some of us don't feel a great deal of shame or allow the good shame that God can give to convict us to become captive shame. Shame that moves beyond that good shame that would convict us. Shame that holds us in bondage. Some of us, however, will move into a place where we change the rules. Like we redefine what's naughty and nice. We begin to say, well, yes, the world is broken, but it's only broken in this way. And oddly enough, lucky for me, that's no longer a naughty thing. That's now a nice thing. Or that's no longer a nice thing. That actually is a naughty thing now. But it all springs to the fact that we innately in our mind, in the, in the brokenness of our lives, look at God as someone who is out to get us. And sadly, sometimes the church hasn't done a great job dispelling that myth. But as we're telling the story of God through Advent, we've come to the place where we begin to recognize just how fiercely good God is. How, how the creation that was created in, in, in perfection gives us an understanding of how great and mighty God's steadfast love is. And that even in the brokenness, even in our own sin, that God moves quickly in a way to relieve us from any doubt that may creep in, that he is trustworthy and steadfast in his love for us. And so we turn to this place where Jesus is answering the question of a Pharisee who he's talking to about what it means to be born again. And he gives this great understanding of who God is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. When we come to this Sunday of love and redemption, I want to proclaim as loudly but not to scare you as I possibly can. God is love. And he loves you steadfastly, so much so that he will pursue you to the ends of the earth to get you back to how he created you to be. 
God longs for you with all his might, so much so that God said, I will be born as a baby in a manger. I will come and learn how to walk. I will be fed by those around me. I will be coddled by those that are near me. I will well out when I'm hungry and when I have messed my diaper. I will become human. Because my love is so great for you. I want to return back to the fiercely good thing that I have created. Hear this clearly. God did not come into the world as Jesus to condemn the world. The Father does not have a naughty or nice list because He does not need one. He has preordained and set forth all who are nice, all who are saved. He knows them by name and he is calling and bringing them in. He can't help but reach out and bring them to him. He has created us for that space. He does not have to sit back and go, oh, oh, yet again. Because nothing surprises him. And in that, he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that it cannot cause his love to turn. He doesn't sit back and go, I wish they would stop. He's done doing that. Why? Because in Christ, he is love. In Christ, he has come and said, I will no longer condemn. I will bring redemption to bear in this place. And so if you are here and you are one that walks in a way that is in the brokenness shamefully, if you're one that says, I have done things or I believe things or I see things that God can't possibly forgive me for, hear this clearly. He already has and longs to show you that he has. Let him teach you to trust in his love. He is not condemning you. At the same time, if you are here and you have been one who, have, who, who has changed the parameters, who, who have said, this is something that I will not give up for God. It will be the thing that I hold on no matter what. And, and let me just say, all of us have a tendency to do that. Know this, that God, even in that place, doesn't condemn you. He comes in love. You condemn yourself. Because there is a righteous, holy, mighty, loving, truth-filled God. And so in those places where, where we say, I want to be the ruler of my heart, God is saying, my steadfast love is moving towards you. My steadfast love longs for you. My, my steadfast love will not give up on you. And yet we, in our own hearts, will condemn ourselves by saying, that's all good and fine, God, but I, I, I've got this part. I long to keep this place. And so hear this. God does not condemn. He comes to save us and bring us to eternal life. But that's why we have to have two Corinthians here. 
because it didn't cost nothing. It's not cheap, this thing that God has done. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reminds us of this, that this baby that we're celebrating, this one who comes as an infant, this, this miraculous virgin birth child, this one comes in order to die. And he comes in order not just to die, but to take all of the brokenness, all of the things that are not fiercely good, all of the things that are not aligned with the way God created the world originally to be. He takes all of those things and he places them on himself. Paul goes as far to say he becomes those things. So that we can receive the righteousness of God. so that we can be those who are called holy and right. Redemption. Redemption has come to us today. Redemption has come when that baby was born. Redemption came at the very fall. Redemption is present at this moment saying, you can be who you were meant to be in me alone. And my steadfast love pursues you to that place. And I've made that possible by taking all of the brokenness you could ever have, all of the sins you will ever commit as you walk out the door from this very building. All those things that it would be so much easier for us just to have behavior modification than to get to the heart of the matter, (laughs) that I'm selfish and egotistical and cruel. It's a whole lot easier to say, I'm just loud. (laughs) Forgive me for being loud. No, because redemption has come, we don't have to be surface. We can dig deep into the heart of the matter because our hearts are being made new and being moved into purity and holiness by the work of Jesus Christ, who He, Him very self, became what we could never overcome except for that great gift that God has done. And so today, I hope you hear this. I hope that you walk out of this room and and you have this one thing that, that resonates with you. That God's nothing like Santa Claus. The gifts that He has given to you He is given free. He's given them because He desires to give them to you. And when we receive those gifts, we are no longer the same. (laughs) That we've been moved from darkness to light, from death to life, from enemy to family. And that it is not passing, not something we can hope for something else for. That we make the list for next year. Because it is sustaining to us when we grasp that God's love is so steadfast and great. That I have nothing to hide from Him. So I can call out in repentance and receive the redemption that He has offered through Christ and be righteous and holy as you were created to 
Let me pray. God, you are holy and mighty. You are truth and righteousness. We hold on to this fact that you have redeemed us. And so, God, we ask that as you call out our names today, that we will hear and we will respond knowing that it is your steadfast love and not your condemnation that brings us to that place. It's in your holy name, Jesus. We pray these things. We ask that if something that I have said today is wrong or incorrect or doesn't come from you, that it will burn up and go away. But if something I have said today is from you, is from your word and what you teach and what you've brought to us, that it will take root in our hearts. Amen.